And these are just real life little things. When you first started dating someone, when you first moved to that community, when you first took on that job, it was a match for you for something in you. But that something in you is the thing that's releasing. And so the reason this thing is no longer satisfying, I want to say this tenderly, is because of you. Is That's what death shows us. You're listening to yet another episode of the At Home Tarot Podcast with me, Jenna Dale, codependency mentor, as well as tarot reader and wisdom keeper. In these episodes, I talked you through what I am experiencing in my home readings in both astrology and tarot, and I read collectively for all of us who are looking to self-evolve, center into our life, and relate in deeper ways to others as well as our existence. Stick with me as I take you through transits in the sky and in the tarot, and see where life is heading. I appreciate your presence here. Let's dive back into the episode. Hey you, it's been a little while, hasn't it? I'm back. (laughs) I just am feeling a little call to get back into this podcast as I took a little break over the summer and sort of gave more energy to my mentorship and welcoming and onboarding and inviting people into that space. It takes a lot of energy to be out there sharing your your thing with the world, um, especially as a solopreneur person. And so I... I just really want to thank you if you're back listening to this. I looked at my analytics and some of you are still coming in to re-listen to old tarot readings or um, old astrology and tarot transit type readings I've done and podcast episodes. So thank you so much. That is so wonderful that you're still utilizing the podcast. But let's get some fresh energy in as... We actually take on um, getting rid of energy or clearing some things with the death card. So a few little, oh, housekeeping. Let's let's keep house a little bit together. Um, let's look at a couple practical things before we get started. So first of all, I'm setting intentions, but I'm not setting goals for the podcast for the fall and winter. I have no idea what my energy is going to do, as as most of us will say that's true. We don't know what our energy exactly will be next month. Um, so I'm going to set some intentions here with you so you have some expectations and some predictability. As much as I would love to come back and do daily readings or do a lot of the astrology stuff I was doing, once again, I'm asked to adjust, refine, get clear just for my own energy. And um, I always just believe somehow that serves you too in in some way. Um, And we will see what happens. So what I have made my intention to do is to take on um, the zodiac transit of the suns, meaning 
we're moving into Scorpio season. And so with Scorpio season comes the death card. And then we will talk about the death card. There'll be an episode, this one about the death card. When we switch over into Sagittarius season, there will then be a Sagittarius episode with the temperance card. And I will keep doing that for the Zodiacs. Because of course, we also move through that season every year. And if we consider our astrology and the bespokeness, the individuality available, we could be moving through a death card at different times of the year as well, based on transits happening, right? And so I'll be doing those. And I also am setting an intention to do the 10 day, it's about 10 days tarot transits. So I was doing some of these episodes earlier in the year. And so as a reminder for those, or if you're new around here, hello, hi, uh, this is my passion project. Um, then what those are is there's actually a minor arcana card that has to do with every 10 days. And so just like in astrology, when say a planet is moving through a certain sign or a certain house, we call that a transit, right? We think of transportation. This thing, this vehicle, this planet is going from here to there. And during that transit, they're going to be driving through this area. And so this area is going to be impacted by the person in that car, by that vehicle, by that planet. And so the same is true of tarot. Um, although it's not, you know, nicely drawn out the way it is in an astrology chart, tarot has a card that lights up for 10 days collectively. And so I'm hoping that every 10, 11, 12 days, whether I hit the exact day or not, but close to when we're transiting, I want to be taking on um, the card. Uh, that's not only going to help us look ahead or reflect on what we've just been through and really get into our daily life, which is where a lot of the change occurs, like major arcana cards and the death card today are wonderful. It talks to a seasonality. It talks to big life lessons. It talks to big life phases we go through. And the minor arcana takes on the, the little ways that that happens day in, day out, because that's the only place we're living in. I'm not living a season at a time in one moment. And so I can't take on a major arcana card for a single day. Yes, we could whittle it down to something simple that could occur today. Of course we could. Um, but in terms of the bigger scope and the bigger energy of the card, um, you know, it, it just, this is why they're almost a month at a time. Um, and so I'm going to be trying to take on those little 10 day moments, um, in, in the tarot. And so there should be another episode coming out somewhere around November 2nd or 3rd for our next card. And if you just want a hint, you can look into this yourself, but I'm going to start for next time. We are currently in a five of cups 
right now until November 1st. And then November 2nd, we dive into the Six of Cups. And so we're kind of moving from this time of noticing. Um, uh, funnily enough, the Five of Cups is such a mirror of the Death card. I might even touch base with that a little bit um, because the figures look similar. There's a loss happening. There's a letting go happening um, in that card. And the Five of Cups is really about the emotional process when we have to leave something behind. And so when we talk about death, you're going to go, wow, okay, that really aligns. That really aligns. Um, and so you know, the five of cups can be a grief card, but it's more of a, a, um, a, like a longing, a yearning for what used to be. Um, and that feels more death to me, um, than grief does. Um, grief really <laughs> reminds me a lot more of things like the tower, uh, like the moon card. Um, so that's just my own opinion. But we're going to be coming out of it. Um, we're going to see what lessons the past is offering us, whether it's um, the current past or long ago. Um, and we are going to come out of this time. So we'll talk about that. We will talk about that. Amazing. Well, I'm going to have a sip of coffee because as usual, I'm sitting here in the morning. Um, it is like such a death card day here in Nova Scotia, where I live. Um, I love living here, having lived in Northern British Columbia for the first 35 years of my life. Um, it There's snow on the ground already there, um, and it's staying. Uh, where here I, even though it, it's like a moody day, you know, it gives me practical magic vibes. It gives me, you know, those sort of um, Maine in the fall type vibe where it's cloudy. Um, the trees are exploding with this intense color of orange and red and gold. And it's just beautiful. And so I went out with the cats, even though it's like moody out. It's moody this morning, but I was able to go out just in a tank top um, and sit on my deck and just sit quietly and sip coffee it's a great time for a little solitude and a little silence with death, a little pondering, a little sitting where it's moody and a little chilly. So, you know, you get that feeling of being alive along with watching everything around you leave, watching everything around you change, watching everything around you transition. That's death card energy. You know, that's autumn. It's not surprising you know, death card is Scorpio season. So we're entering Scorpio season. We did already just a couple days ago. I, you know, um, sometimes it takes me a few days to really feel into the energy. Um, and that's okay. No rush, no rush, right? You're not, we're not going to miss anything by giving ourselves a few days on something. Mm, we're not going to miss it. Um, if we do, mm, you know, did we, did we really miss something there? It's a question to ponder. Uh, so we're headed into Scorpio season and the death card is our score, our beautiful Scorpio card. I got to grab it. I have a squeaky chair today. So we'll see if that 
is picked up on the recording. But as always, you're welcome into my life here as I record. This card really speaks to autumn. It really speaks to transition. It's the 13 card of the major arcana. And to give you preface of some just very simple themes that come up here, this card and this season we're walking into until later in November, I think is a November 22nd or something like that, um, is about transition. And it's about rites of passage. And it's about the death part of the life-death life cycle, if you're familiar with that. And it's really a talisman and a touchstone reminder to remember that things are changing right now, that literally seasons are changing. No matter what hemisphere you're in, you know, there's a seasonal transition. You know, I always see winter and summer as like our kind of big seasons, right? I equate them with like the sun and the moon for us humans here on earth. Okay. And then we have these transition seasons in autumn and spring. And so this is a reminder, if you haven't slowed down enough, to remember that you're heading into winter or in the different hemisphere, you're heading into summer, but you are heading into something. And this really equates to an autumn energy in the sense that there's a letting go, um, but it, there can feel like a rebirth too. So if you're in a different hemisphere here, you can still use this if it's spring where you are. But there is a reminder that something's changing. And what happens when something changes and seasons change and we change? Something requires a sacrifice. And that, that's a hard word. And it's a word I sit with spiritually and conceptually and contemplatively a lot. You know, because it has harmed me and it has uplifted me, the word sacrifice. Let me explain a little bit of the il illustration happening in the Rider Waite Smith deck. And of course, the deck you have may have a very different imagery. And so you may want to pull it out um, and follow along or notice how this theme arises through the imagery of the card you have or the card you enjoy. So in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, there is a field. Um, and in behind the field, there's a river with a boat in it off in the distance, a little bit of like mountainous cliffs. And then far in the distance, there's two pillars with a sun rising. And it's very, very reminiscent of the two pillars in, I'm just looking at my my cards in the moon card, in the justice card, in the high priestess card, in the hierophant card. Mm, so many, so many there. And so there's a sun rising and a gray sky. And so 
in the foreground on the field, there is a white horse and on it is a skeleton, but the skeleton is in armor and it's holding up a black flag with a white sort of rose art deco type flower on it. And then there are four people in this card. Okay, there is a adult man who's dressed like a king who has fallen, you know, to his death on, you know, we think it might be a battlefield, but we don't see a battle. We just see these four people. And so the king is down, you know, and we think of the emperor with this, with the 13, right? Three plus one or one plus three and the 13 equals four, which is the emperor. And so we can sometimes enjoy the idea that this card is somehow um, allowing us to let go or deal with or transition our emperor energy, our Aries energy um, through death. Um, really interesting. And, and we'll get into that. Uh, there is also a what looks like an an elder but like a religious sect elder um with sort of religious robing who is sort of praying to the skeleton or has their hands in front of it there's a child who's just sort of sitting and looking and quite innocent um just looking up with with a floral crown and then there's sort of a young youth, almost feminine figure, um, feminine coded figure. And they're sort of just looking away. They're on their knees. They're not sort of, I don't know. They're sort of just looking away. So that is the context of, of the death card. And as you can imagine, you know, people often think that this card is, is a bad omen for actual physical harm. And I don't believe that that's true. Um, I think you'd really have to be using your deck to intentionally call forward um, that sort of that sort of energy. You'd have to be using your deck as someone who is deep into really looking at people's life and death in a really practical manner, um, touching with spirits, things like that. I don't like to use it like that. I, my natural energy is not to be used towards that, I believe. Um, and so I don't actually believe that getting the card is about that. I think that's something a lot of people who don't know tarot would think. Um, but once you start learning more, you realize it's just not the case. It's just not the case. So that's a little context there. Um, so with that in mind, um, this is a time of change. And I, you might pause here or the moment I said that, you might not need to pause to consider what's changing for you. And what's changing in your life, but also you, there's a change in you happening. Um, what is this transition? And it might still affect things outside of you. Okay. It might still end up having an impact, um, whether it's on a relationship you have, 
your home, your work or business, your purpose in the world, the way you relate to people in whatever role you hold with them, mother, daughter, um, things like that, son, father, friend, partner. There's a time of change and to remember that this change is occurring first in you or is occurring first in others. It occurs first within. You know, we can be changed by external forces, but that's not, um, that can be death, but there's a remembrance in death that we change as well. We participate. We are affected by that change. Um, so really, really interesting there. Um, there's so much I want to say about this card that I actually had to write down a lot of topics <laughs> so that I would not forget. And so you may find every once in a while I pop back to something or I call back to something we talked about um, because it all relates. So that's just how I usually roll anyways, um, very conversationally. So Let's, let's go even further. The first thing to consider around death is the fear that arises when change comes too soon. You know, are we embracing the change? What is our stance? What is our state? Um, what is our orientation towards the change coming? Where's the fear? What is it telling you? Um, because the reverse of this card, which we want to take into account, along with, you know, allowing a transition and going through a rite of passage and remembering that things are changing and um, using this as as a touchstone to remember um, that winter's coming or summer's coming and we need to prepare. The big season is coming and where this time is for us. Um when it's reversed, when that energy and that fear takes over, we can get really stuck where we are. We can move into inertia. We can move into lethargy. We can move into decay, right? What happens when we keep something that has died a natural death? That reminds me, I got a letter in the mail from my mother. So sweet. And she had put a bunch of leaves from our farm in northern BC into some wax paper and sort of taped up the edges but on its way out in the mail a little uh, you know it was crackling it was crumbling because of course it's decaying it's dead it's transitioning that's it doesn't have life anymore and when I opened it up, all these little crumblies had got out from edges of tape and were kind of all over my kitchen table. Um, and it's just this idea of like when things decay and we keep, try to keep them, they get really messy and they go everywhere. And they, they will keep crumbling. You know, we and if you've ever tried to revive flowers that are already starting to die and decay, it's it's <laughs> it's never worked for me. Maybe you've got a trick, but you know, once things decide to go, they're gonna go, whether we hold on to them or not. And I hate to say this, but I have 
um, dried flowers in a vase. One, I just love watching flowers decay and die and then dry. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's a pretty process. Um, just weird things people don't know about me. Um, I'm sure my partner's like, when the heck is she going to throw those out? Um, <laughs> you know, soon when they start crumbling, you know, because they do. When they start getting everywhere, when when they start to disintegrate, I'll, I'll get rid of them. But doesn't that tell you about my process of allowing things their own time to decay and go? But at the same time, when is that a hindrance to me? When could I have let go sooner? Do I have to wait? You know, because... Well, flowers are beautiful to be in a job or a relationship, um, to be in certain habits, to be in certain places and spaces, even, you know, I think towns we live in and all sorts of things, um, old beliefs, even a lot of inside stuff too, right? A lot of old patterns, um, you know, what does that feel like to be living in that decay? Much bigger than uh, simply some flowers that are drying, um, which don't really impact me <laughs> in such a big way to be in something that's already dead, where the life of it, the like think about what gives life, breath, oxygen, fullness, fleshness, um, when that has drained out of something and we hold on, it decays. And we feel the decay and we keep trying to revive it and it doesn't want to be revived. Sometimes it does, you know, it's, it's always interesting, but I will tell you, it rarely happens in the same season, you know, and I think admitting that something's decaying is part of the process of reviving it back to life in a new way down the line. And that's going to take us into a little bit of what this card corresponds to the other cards, because the re the reviving, the clearing the way and the seeding of something new is this process, this life, death, life process. So we do have to allow death before a rebirth, right? Um, so a few more things before we do that, though. I wanted to speak on before I talk about the other cards this is in association with and where it is in the major arcana and all of these beautiful calls to action. You may have to re-listen to this one a few times. Um, over the course of Scorpio season, because as always, I like to put a lot of thoughts, philosophical contemplations in here. Uh, it's just my favorite way to share and teach and, and guide and lead and all those things and relate. Um, you know, the death card is associated with Savasana in yoga. And that's, you know, corpse pose, Svasana. You're just laying down, but you're laying down with intention, right? You've got your arms kind of out and splayed and, and your feet and um, a little separate. You know, the, it's 
to me, it's an intentional laying down. And I loved, I loved Savasana. And you'd think, well, it's just laying down. And, you know, that's funny, right? Of course, you love just laying down. But there was something aligned. There was something really honoring about ending the flow state with an intentional pause, an intentional lay down, uh, an intentional, I used to have a teacher that guided us through in Savasana, in corpse pose, tightening slowly um, from feet all the way up to the top of your head and then releasing in the opposite way as if a breath, right? All of a sudden, all this tension, and then exhale, all the tension leaves. And it was a really beautiful practice. And so it was intentional. It was an intentional pause. It was an intentional death of the process we just went through, an honoring of the end of your flow state. And so I want you to think about this season, this card, this time we're walking into for you know, the next four weeks-ish as a season of savasana, of that three-minute, two-minute stage of yoga as this season, savasana, an intentional laying down, physically and spiritually and emotionally relationally even for some of us and i love that the celtic new year is coming up november 1st because it, we we can also start to associate and understand that for some of us with celtic heritage we might be feeling like this is the end of our year i know i do it's weird it's very strange because i used to be um, a teacher on teacher type schedule the september schedule here in canada we would start school and then go to the end of june um and so september feels like a beginning and november october feels like an ending and they all happen within <laughs> within two months and so it's a really strange dynamic for me but for some reason that's just the seasonality that has happened but september feels like a great time to start like the next phase uh very different than you know spring summer energy i guess so that's something to consider during this time is and it is an end to the year, an honoring of the end of the year, an honoring of the end of the flow state you went through um, to go into spring and have summer and move into fall. You're ending that. And I, I truly think winter is the beginning of the year. I really do. It feels like the first season of a year, you know, and we do have it in January anyways, but, you know, being from the north, winter started in October and we were really, really lucky if there was no snow on Halloween, like insanely lucky. Um, but by November we're deep in winter. And to me that just felt right. Um, yeah. And so 
honoring that as if it's the end of the year. There's also something beautiful of considering what we usually do at the end of the year and then the new year. So January is usually when we start things. When we look ahead, we create goals. We think about resolutions. We look at the next phase, right? Or we begin the next phase. And actually, I believe, I know the I know the United States has Thanksgiving at the end of November. Us in Canada, we do it early. We do it early October. So we actually don't have, we just have Remembrance Day, um, sort of like countrywide, nationally, um, in November as sort of the stat. There's lots of other, uh, you know, things to honor in November. But to me, it's a time where... November's always a time I sit down and look at my business for the next year because December is a time to bring in joy and family and lay down a lot of that if I can. Like it's busy, there's a lot of obligations, but there's also just a lot of calls to be in the moment, be present, enjoy, engage in pleasure have fun, laugh. It doesn't feel, it never feels like a good time for me um, over the holidays and even into the new year to even be thinking about goals. And so with the death card, there might be something here about considering what's next. We see the king is down, the king has been laid down. And so what would the people in that community decide they'd have to decide what they're going to be led into next and who's going to lead them right what now is a question that comes up i think with the death card right so let's look at the placement having said that let's move on into some big big themes here so if you're unfamiliar the major arcana is 22 cards now it starts at zero with the fool which is kind of by himself or herself or themselves and but then we have 21 left and you can put these in rows of seven and when you put them in rows of seven you have the rows as a really beautiful spot oh my <laughs> i just i'm gonna leave that in because that was my cat aj who unlike my cat Belle has no problems jumping all over things, walking over keyboards. He just messed up all my tarot cards and now he's deciding to sleep on my tarot cards that I had out to look at. So he's a character. He's a new character in my life. Um, he's so sweet, but he's a little derpy and he gets into stuff like, unlike Belle. So a little little AJ moment there for you. Uh, so I can't look over at my three rows because he is plopped on top of them and he's quite large. Um, <laughs> but thankfully I know what I'm looking at here. So the major arcana placement and these lines, you've got three rows of seven. So we start with one to seven card. Then underneath that, we have um, we have the 8 to the 14, and then the 15 to the 21. And when we think about these rows, there's a few different ways we can think about them. We can think about them as the first one being 
consciousness, like moving through the consciousness of life, the second row moving through the subconsciousness, which the death card is the second last one. So it goes death and then temperance at the end there of that second row of dealing with the subconscious um, or the unconscious, you could say, which I know they're slightly different things, but for people who might enjoy that term more. And then the last row is the super conscious. So that's like a really psychological way to talk about it. Now, other people, for instance, Lee Burstyn, who um, is the author of Universal Tarot of Marseille, um, kind of uses a, a Plato theory of this. And you can call these lines, the first line is the soul of desire. So that corresponds with the consciousness line. It's the things we want. Very surface level. I always kind of think of that. Very the life I can see. Um, very the socialized life I'm expected to have in that. And there's also, um, it, there's also a little bit from... I love what Hillbilly Oracle says. I forget their name now. Um, but the first line is individuation. The second line is the process of integration. Like they're all processes. And the third, the process of the sacred. Um, and that really corresponds, I think, a little more to what Lee Bernstein said of the first one's the soul of desire. The second one's the soul of the will. Um, and the third one is the soul of reason. So very interesting thinking. So with our death card here, that puts us at a subconscious level. It puts us in the soul of the will. And it puts us in the process of integration. Right? So it's this really internal moment for us, even though we might be seeing it play out projected and personified through real tangible in life experiences a relationship could take on this mm, happening that's occurring inside of you right um, a job a place you live um, habits um, things you're learning, the way you speak, what you look like, you know, all of these things could be taking on the personification. It could be the place of death, the setting of death, the real tangible, seeable thing. But we have to understand that this is also happening from within, you know, because when we outgrow something or something's getting to the point where we're like, this isn't working for me. That means part of us has, has changed because when it came into our life, we were a match for it, probably, possibly. Um, and again, these are just real life little things. When you first started dating someone, when you first moved to that community, when you first took on that job, it was a match for you, for something in you. But that something in you is the thing that's releasing. And so the reason this thing is no longer satisfying, I, I want to say this tenderly, is because of you. Is 
that's what death shows us. Now, I'm not saying real things aren't happening that also contribute. And we can let go of a lot of things because the thing itself has decayed or the thing itself has outlived um, what it needs to be. That's very true. And we see that happening so much in the world right now. You know, systems, real things are, don't bring aliveness anymore. They're decaying around us. But when, when we want to bring it deeply into our life and think about it as us, it, it's a call to consider what part of us decayed and died. And it's the very part usually that that match um, made in the first place, right? So I mentor on codependency. That's where I make, make my money. That's where I do my most service. Tarot is my passion project. Maybe someday it'll switch. I don't know. I'm here for the ride of it. But part of my healing of codependency was when my codependency really experienced a decay and death and release with me, even though I still engage in it sometimes, it's always going to be a practice throughout life when this big part of it was able to release for me. A lot of my relationships changed or went away, not always right away, but they started to decay. And that's death. So in the other thing to consider that ties in with this is that when we look at the lines of the major arcana, the seven cards stacked on seven cards stacked on seven cards, there's cards above and below death. Well, those cards are the lovers on top, then death, and then judgment. And so what I was saying about the decay and this process is one way to look at death is you're starting the work of it. It is the beginning of the end. Beginning of the end. So where are you at where it's the beginning of the end for you? And again, this is probably being personified somewhere. And sometimes it's a face. Like I know in my relationship, and especially when we look at the lovers above it, I had to allow the beginning of the end of our honeymoon phase. I had to allow the beginning of the end of our long distance, whenever we see each other, it's like travel energy type, you know, I had to let that go. I had to let go the beginning of the end with each phase. This this feels like the beginning of the end of the honeymoon phase. This feels like the beginning of the end of what I would call our separate individual, like dating but still full of your own life 99% of the time phase. I had to grieve that and I could feel the beginning of the end of it when it's when it occurred the moment I showed up out here, you know, and truly the moment I stepped into my car in Penticton 
to get on the road to come out here was the beginning of the end of that for us. And so it's just being able to be with that, right? That's the beginning of the end. We have to, we have to, and sometimes we don't know at the beginning of the end, it, we're going to be alive at the end or not. And again, we think of the characters, you know, the person who is in control, which the character that could be your ego, right? Or that identity part of you that wants to hold on, uh, or that fear that wants to hold on. It's that part that needs to go. Sometimes these things still end up existing in real life, but we have to let go of the phase we're in with it. This is very interesting energy. We also think of lovers, death and judgment, or I do as the seed, the harvest and the clearing. So the lovers is all about the honeymoon phase. It's all about new choices that bring things together. And it's about duality, you know, and we're not going to get deep into lovers. We'll do that when it comes around. But there's a seed of something that grows. While death is the harvest, something did grow. And we need to kind of bring it down. We need to bring it in before it decays. We have to take what's useful rather than leave it out to decay right? We need to, as oh, someone said this in a session um, this week, and, and if they're listening, I hope it's okay, I'm using it, uh, this phrase of getting the nutrients from the experience, right? So in death, it's a reminder to take the nutrients that are available now, because we already see that it's about to decay. Take what's good from what has been here. And allow the rest of it to go. Okay. So part of it is remembering to take the goodness with us forward. Remembering to take the goodness with us forward. That's the child, right? That innocence isn't afraid of death. It's just sitting there as if this is just another thing to be in awe around. Um, and to notice the goodness in it to be unafraid of what's next. And so death can be that harvest. And I, I also think of it as the beginning of the work of letting go. I've told people that it's like, now I actually have to, I, I notice I need to let this go, right? In harvest, we notice we need to cut these things down. We need to do the work of it to do it. It's not just going to magically happen. So we're also in a time, and I think that's why Savasana and stating that for us here was so important because Savasana reminds us that we're working hard right now. There's an amount of effort, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether you can see it or not, right? We, there's a lot of invisible labor in the world happening within us or whatever, um, especially emotional labor if you're a woman, right? Lots of it happening. Lots of people seek out the woman in their life for emotional support instead of the man. And that, um, that that's a whole nother podcast on a whole other podcast, <laughs> Um, not even a tarot podcast. Um, 
you know, so something to consider is that the work starts. And then, of course, we move down into judgment. And judgment is when we sort of clear out the things that were dead because there's this beautiful new clearing. Um, we're being called to go, you know, if this is the decay and the beginning of the end, judgment is both the end and the beginning. Judgment is when we... It, in a gardening, farming, if you come from that community, this is spring. Judgment is spring. Judgment is when you go out into the field and I don't know if you, growing up as a kid on a farm in the 90s, I remember walking behind my dad's vehicle or truck or whatever and chucking rocks from the field into it you know, clearing away. Now, you know, you do it with tractor and things, but there might be a lot of brush or a lot of decay if hay was left. So judgment is this cool thing that says anything that didn't, you didn't harvest from this is going to sit for the winter and decay. And in judgment, we're finally ready to see that it's decayed. We're ready to see the past for what it was. And simply clear it away. Okay, you know what? It's time to clear this away because I need room to seed again, right? We create that clear landscape again. Really beautiful process. And it made me think of Women Who Run With The Wolves. Beautiful book. Um, I am in uh, Daje, who is the story doula on Instagram has a book club for this and I've been going and so I was just thinking of this and there's this beautiful phrase from that author Clarissa Pinkola Estes I said that so awful um my Spanish is forgive me (laughs) for that please forgive me for that that was terrible um and um She writes, sometimes the one who is running from the life, death, life, nature insists on thinking of love as a boon only. Yet love in its fullest form is a series of deaths and rebirths. We let go one phase, one aspect of love, and we enter another. Passion dies and is brought back. Pain is chased away and surfaces another time. To love means to embrace and at the same time to withstand many endings and many, many beginnings, all in the same relationship. Now, this isn't a call to not let a relationship go that season after season, it's been in decay. Sometimes... The seed just won't regrow. And we can just neutrally accept that because the life that wants to be lived might be the life beyond that thing. It might be giving you back your life. So I want to make space for those people experiencing that. But on the other hand, we also experience it with ourselves in our relationship to ourselves, And you know, our relationship to others. And so when we think about the lovers and then death and then judgment, 
we think about life, death, life, right? Literally, the lovers is a seed of life. And then death is when the passion dies. It's when the pain surfaces. And judgment is when we enter into the next phase again. The passion's brought back, but different. The pain goes away, but that's a different. Because you have lived through that pain, so you're different. So it's a really interesting process, okay? So considering those things as we move through this month, considering the life-death-life at work, considering if you want to make the next phase available to you. And so there's this real realizing that things are falling away. And I think the lovers also points to a decision point to allow that or not. Am I going to try to hold on to the lovers even though I'm deep in the next phase, right? I'm deep in the next line of the major arcana. Or can I decide to let it go? Very important. And then we think about, you know, we think about the people, in this card. And I think that's important because I want to ask you which one feels like you. And for this, I'm going to read from 78 Degrees of Wisdom um, by Rachel Rachel Pollock. I'm pretty sure I got that name right. I often don't remember the name of authors I read uh, because I'm so enraptured in the book. But this is what it says. The four people demonstrate different approaches to change. So just pause there. These are different approaches to change. How are you approaching it right now? Maybe that's your most natural way and you just have to stop judging yourself for it. Or maybe there's an invitation to a, to a way that has felt unavailable or you didn't even know about. So I'll read that again and we'll get in. The four people demonstrate different approaches to change. The king struck down shows the rigid ego, right? That's the Aries situation, the emperor, right? That's our next spring. That's when we try to start creating, expanding, strategizing again, um, taking over, leading, um, pushing the boundaries, right? As the emperor does. The king struck down shows the rigid ego. If life comes at us with enough power, the ego may collapse. Insanity can result from an inability to adjust to extreme change. And by insanity, it can mean insanity. It can also just mean looking at ourselves and going like, this isn't an integrity. What am I doing? I'm acting a little hostile right now. I'm lashing out. I'm defensive. You know, it can be that. It can be this sense of spiraling on the inside as well. The priest, though, stands and faces death directly. He can do so because his stiff robes and hat protect him and support him. We see here the value of a code of belief to help us past our fears of death. And so this is talking about having some sort of code, having some sort of belief system, having some spirituality, having some inner stability, having a strong sense of self and sort of a, a, mm, I don't use the word positive, um, but a, 
productive, a supportive um, belief system about life and what it's doing for you, right? Because death and life, those are beyond us. They're in us, but they're also these big things that are way more than us. Like we are not death. We are not life. But these things move through us. They direct us. Then it says the maiden symbolize partial innocence. The ego is not rigid, yet still aware of itself, unwilling to surrender. Therefore, she kneels, but she turns away. If you're a woman listening to this, but men too, because this is about that feminine emotional body in us, okay? Uh, we all can have this. Of course, women have it in spades if you identify as a woman or femme. I want to read this again. The maiden symbolizes partial innocence, right? The maiden isn't quite innocent. We've all had our maiden times. We're not that innocent, but we still feel fragile. We still feel kind of immature, young, right? Unable. And the ego is not rigid, right? It's still aware. So this is somebody who's like, I, I know what this is about. So if you've been listening to this podcast, you're like, I know what this is about. But I'm like, I really don't want to see it. I know I'm just going to turn this off and keep rolling along. You're in maiden. You're the maiden in the card, right? If you're someone who sees this belief coming, and you are doing your spiritual growth, you're, you're seeing this death in this phase, you know, that's probably me. I've been meditating more. I've been trying to read my spiritual things. I've been getting back into tarot. You know, I'm probably um, a little bit, uh, at least in that way, embodying of sort of the priest in the card, right? If you're someone who's like, I am just collapsing under the weight of this. Like I am just, I'm hitting a bottom. I'm going through a dark night of the soul. You're probably the king. You know, your ego was so strong around this, but something pushed you to your edge and now you're collapsing and you're going through a crap ton because of it, right? Um, and the last one, only the child representing complete innocence, faces death with a simple offering of flowers. Welcoming, non-judgmental, no ego skin in the game. Just it's here, welcome, come on in. Right? There's no looking away. Right? The partial innocence of the maiden. No awareness but not wanting to see what happens. You know, there's no... Um, there's no trying to do all these practices to manage yourself like I'm doing, <laughs> uh, which can be a beautiful thing. Nothing wrong. Like I think we can relate to all of these with certain things, right? Definitely done my dark night of the soul where it's like I got pushed off my high horse, right? And that created the change. What a thing to consider as an adult, what it feels like to face this phase with an offering of flowers. I just want to leave that there for you to linger. What would it feel like? What would you have to 
not even do? What would you have to be? What would you have to move out of the way? What would you have to let bypass you, um, like move around you instead of through you to simply face this end with a simple offering of flowers? It reminds me of putting flowers on a grave. Truly, it does. There's an acceptance to that, knowing that this thing is is over and just honoring it and not looking away. Mm -hmm. There's also something here. We're transitioning into a, a new thought for you on this. So if you need to pause and take that in, go ahead. The other thing is we can look at the card before and after death. And those are the hanged man and temperance. So it goes hanged man, death, temperance. To me, there's really something here of calling this surrender, acceptance, and coming to peace. Right? In the hanged man, there's sacrifice. There's an ego sacrifice. There's... Um, there's a push to notice that something's different, a push to, to kind of see things in a new way. And in the death card, we accept, especially when we're thinking of the king, like we accept the death, we accept the loss, um, and we deal with it through one of the character archetypes, right? Um, and... Then in temperance, we come to an inner peace around it. So this is the kind of, when I say at peace with it, um, it's not that you are now a peaceful person, right? Your insides, your mind, your heart may still be feeling a lot, right? It's not the kind of peace that is neutral um, or like white, right? Like repels everything, just doesn't take anything in and stays pure but then there's nothing in it right um where black sort of absorbs i think that's how it goes i might have that backwards um but (laughs) the analogy however that right it's being at peace with the fact that this is happening no longer arguing with reality about it arguing with yourself about it And so the hanged man, I'm not going to get too much into this, but surrender means we finally give up trying in a way, right? Um, There's something kind of interesting where first it's justice, then the hanged man. And again, we'll get into some of these cards at a later time, but we're moving from trying to make all these decisions and the right choice and trying to be fair and trying to harmonize with people is just reminding you of your situation right now with what with who and finally surrendering and throwing up your hands and giving up and going it doesn't matter what choice i make and when you do and you get a little hung out to dry right and your ego feels like it's it's being turned upside down and it's being sacrificed. You've hit surrender. You stop fighting the hardship. You know, and we see this in the Christ story, the Jesus story. Uh, first, there's a surrender. You're on the cross, you're surrendered. You're allowing it to happen. Then with the death, death there's the acceptance. We allow death to happen. 
And then in temperance, we're at peace. Funnily enough, there's an angel in the card. And of course, you know, these cards were created quite a few decades ago now. So there can be a lot of angel um, imagery in it, but it's about being at peace. It's, there's a resurrection that will come. And the, the temperance card is like, yeah, we can just, be at peace with this. We can moderate. We can move through the middle ground of this now. Um, so that it's really interesting. We don't have to go to extremes to deal with this. And that's beautiful. There's also a movement with hanged man to death that moves us from political to philosophical. It moves us from political to philosophical. Right? If we can accept death, Rachel Pollock wrote, we will be able to live more fully. And you say that again, Rachel Pollock, if we can accept death, we will be able to live more fully. That move from political to philosophical is accepting the belief systems, politics, dynamics, systems, in us, in the world, that all things die eventually, right? And we move from trying to prove our point. We move from the politics. I, I really see this right now. I've been, I have never known a lot about um, what's going on in Israel and Palestine other than little bits of news and I'm learning so much. I'm not speaking or sharing a lot right now because I know it's tender. I'm just kind of staying quiet actually a lot of the time on social right now so that people talking about it can be what shows up on people's news feeds. Um, people who actually experience it or have been there or know a lot more than I do. Um, but what I'm, what I'm noticing in top, like, educating myself is an unfortunate part of where I am. And I don't want to add my uneducated voice to the topic um, other than, you know, but we'll get there. But what I'm watching, at least for me and the people that I'm in relation to online is a move from political to philosophical, um, a move from this sort of constructed, system to what is morality what is right and wrong these big questions like when do we honor that people are dying and not make that like fuck the the pol politics of it sort of thing and so um that's what i'm watching in the people that I'm in relation to online. And I don't know if that's what everybody else is seeing. Um, but it can also be like, this is happening so collectively. This move from political to philosophical with the move from hanged man into death. So watching for that. And of course, noticing it in our own life. Where am I moving from these sort of binary sides of things being so politicalized making, I would say making everything political um, in the way that phrase is usually used, right? People kind of use that as a way to stonewall people. 
Um, and of course, we live in a world with politics. So we've created a world where your humanness is now weirdly a part of politics. You know, the philosophical question that comes to mind is like, what the fuck? Um, and so that's what I mean. There's a clearness here that's like, death is bigger than all of this. Life is bigger than all of this. And it's become so small when we attach it to politics and it becomes so binary. And so that's what I have to say about that because I want you to consider about it in your own life. Um, I'm not here to tell you um, what to believe. I just know for me, humanity is beyond making it political. Um, yeah. I wrote down this phrase that without death to clear away the old, nothing new could find a place in the world. Right? Without death to clear away the old, nothing new could find a place in the world. Death comes to end things, to clear away what is outdated and decaying. Until we're ready to clear those things away, it's really hard for those new things to find a place in the world, to root, to seed, right? How does a seed find its way through rock? Maybe it can in time, but what a hard process. And so this sort of leads us in the death card into the sun coming up behind those two pillars off in the distance, behind death on the field, on the white horse. There's a purity to that, right? There's a clearness. And so we think about this clearing away so something new can find a foothold, can have a place in your world. And we think about how we're going to create enjoyment for the next phase. You know, um, I think Rachel Pollock also wrote this because I just have a few phrases here. Um, Through death, we feed the radiant power of life. The radiant power of life. There's a reason the sun is coming up in this card because it's a new day. It's a new season. There's a season coming and there's something beautiful, especially if you are experiencing an actual autumn right now, that what you do now is in touch with what's coming in spring. Okay. What's coming in airy season, March, April, spring here anyways. (laughs) And I mean, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, that's fine. It can be opposite too, right? Spring is hearkening to what um, is coming in the fall. And so this is about feeding the radiant power of life. That letting go is also how we feed the radiant power of life. How we move towards it. 
how we move into the true self or what I have been calling for my own sake, my most natural self. Because my true self, that's really complex to me. What's true? I'm way too philosophical sometimes. Again, moving from political to philosophical. What is truth? What is my truth? Those can be changeable. Those adjust. But there's something about calling this my most natural self that it's right this right it it hearkens both me and the humanity in me not just the individual not just the ego in me not just the essence of my true self it takes into account all bodies in me all identities and identity parts in me my natural self is who I am when all of these things are doing their thing. Right? My natural self. So how are we going to enjoy and find enjoyment of the next phase? I know we're moving into winter here. And I'm considering what this new phase is bringing. I've been talking about it a lot with the people who support me. Have you been? What's winter bringing for you? What has it often brought for you? And if you're on the precipice of a change, a change in your relationship or letting go, or a change in your job or career, or letting go, a change of your home or where you live or the hobbies or the friends you keep, and you're letting those go or letting a certain phase of that go what are you now's the time to lay down in savasana and consider um what would it feel like what do you need to feed the radiant power of life coming what do you need to enjoy the next phase and to be in the enjoyment of the next phase because it really is about being present with it being in enjoyment, not just creating it. So there's a goodness, an enjoyment, a radiance, a life that ushers in after death. And just remember, as because that's sort of my last point here, just remember as you move through that there are seven cards between death and the card under it, judgment. And so death begins. Remember, I, I always hold on to this. The work of letting go begins with death. There is still more to come in this process. When I'm picking rocks, you know, which is judgment energy, you know, there's so much that happens over that winter between the harvest and being able to clear that away. There's all of these things happening. You know, we move into temperance when we're at peace and we start, you know, not acting in extreme ways anymore because we're at peace with what is happening, right? We can act so extreme when we're not at peace with allowing things to change or end or transition. We can fight it 
And then as soon as we're in peace, we move to the superconscious. We start moving through a more spiritual experience towards like the what the what is next, right? And towards um, the soul of reason, being able to both notice the desire and the social construct in your consciousness, but also notice what's subconscious. What is your will? You know, what is what you're integrating along with how you've individuated and you start going through the process of sacredness you start going through the process of the superconscious. you start going through and creating the soul of your reason and you move through the devil which deals with any codependency or ties things that control us we move through tower moments where even more structures in our life fall we move through the star card where you know we are watering and we're caring for and we're bringing in resources to you know sort of gather around us getting ready for the clearing getting ready that you know the tower has fallen and we're going to probably need help um and you know flourish um and gather the collective and all you know everything more than just that one thing might have to shift to support us into completely I say letting it go, but clearing it away from our psyche. So it's not running things for us. Then we go through the moon and the sun. We go through the, the, the fear emotions, the dark emotions. And we go through these elative emotions and this, unabashed joy and freedom and then we hit judgment and we notice oh see all these little remnants of that thing I let go in death so long ago or last season yeah I'm ready to just move those away I'm ready to let go of the past you know because we will we're going to start the work of letting go but we will hold on to it. And that's okay. That's our process. The tarot teaches us that just because you let it go doesn't mean your psyche is allowing it to leave you. It's going to run you for the next little while. It's like when there's a breakup. And if you've ever had breakups where you're on and off again, or even if you're not on again, that relationship stays with you for months and you know as i help people years for some people it's years whether you're actively still back and forth in it or you know it's physically gone which is death but it's living in us it's living in part of our psyche some part of our ego and so just remember that the release of the thing the allowing, the the commitment and devotion to start the work of letting go doesn't mean it all leaves us in this season. It's saying, 
hey, you know, it's time to start. It's time to start this process. It's time to really start letting yourself know that this is going, that this is changing, that this is transitioning. So my love, that's what I have for you today on death. So much of death is about a life and a sense of aliveness coming for you, isn't it? I have loved this podcast. I think that's why I wrote so much down to talk about and took my sweet time doing it. But I've enjoyed my time this morning. I'm going to go finish my coffee. I'm going to go take care of the cats down the hall from my neighbor. Just cats all over my life. (laughs) And then I'm really going to get going with my day, I guess. What are you going to do next? Something I ask my um, my mentorship people in codependence to honor that you just experienced something. You were just with something. You were just spending time with someone. You just did this thing. And presence is about a nice transition of, okay, we're finishing that up. Where do I want to be present next? What do I want to be present with next? Rather than going all the way to the past and the future, just being with you and your day. That itself is healing, I tell you. All right, love, whatever you're going to do next, I'm sending you lots of radiant aliveness. And check back in at the beginning of November here, and I'll be dropping our next podcast. I care about you. Be well. Bye now.